All right, welcome to the Product Iron Spirit Podcast. It's Tanner Owens here with Justin Andler. What's up? What's up? That was Tesla, five-man acoustical jam, if you guys were wondering. Mm. Live at the Troubadour. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's do it. So, first off, we want to apologize about last week. So, my beautiful wife opened up our... um, are recorded here on audacity it's a um some software we use to record these things and before i had the chance to edit it and get it up on soundcloud and itunes she went ahead and exited out and hey i was thinking that was that was a top top two podcast that was a good one it was a really good one we're gonna try to uh rehash that it's you know that we're not gonna do it this week because then we'd just be trying to remember everything we said. But it it's gonna probably be next week, and it applies to this holiday season we're in. And I think it honestly works better for the new year anyway. Yeah. Um. Then Thanksgiving. We were doing like a Thanksgiving edition, but honestly, it's better for like the new year. So we'll so we'll do that maybe next week or the week following. But anyway, tonight. Well, so what's going on with you, Jay? Mine. What do you What do you got? Nothing. How was the video today? The video was terrific. Check it out on the Project Iron Spirit Facebook page, w.facebook.com forward slash Project Iron Spirit. It's also on my personal page, so you can add me on Facebook, uh, Justin Amler. Just, Adam. Just do that. and uh, Yeah, it's a really good video. It's really, really, really great um, for this week, especially, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, you know. It's Wednesday, and this week has already been pretty crazy. You know, we had the OSU um, terrorist attack, um, the Brazilian soccer team that you know cr- uh, plane crashed, uh, the Tennessee fires, the tornadoes in Alabama. I mean, it's just been a hectic week. The Democratic Party wants a recount on the election. I mean, it's just it's just been a crazy week. So um, the video really speaks to that and, and how we cope um, when things are getting this ugly in the world. So. Give that a watch. Yeah, guys, make sure you check those out. Um, put them up every Wednesday for you all. So tonight we're going to be talking about something that I don't really know where it's going to go. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's a big difference between winging it and seeing what happens. <laughs> so let's see what happens. So let's see what happens. Which is what we're doing here. That's what we're doing. Um, but no, I was reading... Well, you know, I'm an old. I've been in the Old Testament for a while, yes, you and are. I was reading Second Samuel again because it just popped up, and um, I saw this parallel, so I looked it up because it was a starburst, which is a juicy contradiction. <laughs> wow! Wow! Underrated humor. Wow! Very so anyway. Underrated. Like I said, it was contradictory, at least I thought it was, um, and I started doing some research on it. And the question is, who incited David to count the fighting men of Israel? Pretty straightforward question. Yeah. And then, so let me just read this for you, okay? So Second Samuel, this is uh, chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Okay, that's Second Samuel. 
Now in First Chronicles it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So in one, it's the same story here, but in one account it's saying that the Lord moved David. And in another account of the same story, it's saying Satan moved David. Um, but, you know, in James, it, we, we know from James that God's not the author of sin and that he tempts no man to sin. So, and also we know that, you know, what we're talking about here is a census pretty much, guys. So um, we're asking who incited David to count the fighting men of Israel. Um, but we know that taking a census isn't a sin because how many times did Moses do it? I mean, don't read the book of Numbers. Good boy. I'll save it. It's a census. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, so we know that that in itself is not a sin. But Exodus, which is kind of the the law, yeah. um, gives specific requirements um, on how to conduct the census. And um, Leviticus. And David doesn't follow these. Yeah. So, so like I said, we're told that Satan provokes David. We're told that God moves him. So I, w- I was just interested in that, and that's kind of where it leads us tonight. Um, there's just so many different opinions on this. Um, you know, first off, Satan is used, you know, you know, not not a lot, but it's used in the Bible fairly. I think I said twenty-seven times, maybe. I don't know if that's right or not, but anyway, something like that. And you know, I was looking it up. The Hebrew meaning of Satan is just like the adversary, or or someone who stands in your way. So one of the interpretations that I um, got from from doing this research was that God provoked David in both situations. Um, and and it, as crazy as it sounds, in First Chronicles, Satan was actually used to describe God, because, like I said, Satan in Hebrew just means an adversary. Mm-hmm. So in First Chronicles, they're just saying that God was an adversary to David at that moment. You understand what I mean? Um. But I didn't like that. I didn't really agree with that. I, I didn't even run this by you before we started the podcast. But that was one of the opinions of of of, of a commentary I read was saying that you know God in that moment was the adversary, so the author chose to use the word Satan because in Hebrew, like it says, it just means the one who stands in your way, the oppo- you know. But yeah. God doesn't stand in his way. But you know that's from the the lens of David, so. Mm-hmm. It was possible, but uh, the more I did research, the more I disagreed with that one. Yeah, I don't know. You, you know, <laughs> that's a problem. That that twist for me is because God is perfect justice and righteousness. All the time. Ever changing. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So, when you have God, who's called many things, the Almighty, Lord, uh, I am, Yahweh, Yahweh, all these things. 
you can't take that God and try to turn him into Satan. I'm sorry, in my in my mind of what we know about God and what God commands, especially in this moment, this is the Old Testament, what God commands. I mean, I'm pretty sure if somebody wrote down Satan and was referring to God, their hand might have fallen off. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I mean and, I'm, being, I'm being dramatic, but I'm just right. saying. And and I mean? being being the devil's advocate here. Pun intended. Um, Try humor. That's what the guy was. You know, that's what this guy's saying. He's saying that, and this is a Jewish commentary, so this is why I get this right. But he's saying, hey, Christians are just so focused on an arch enemy of God and Satan that we take it out of the Hebrew context in which it's meant to be used. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like you just said there, like, you can't turn God into Satan. Which I'm with you. I didn't like this. Yeah. But he's yeah. saying, that's your issue. That's why, that's the reason you're having trouble with these two verses that you think are contradictory. Because God is simply opposing David in that moment. So, the adversary, or the opponent, or the one who stands in David's way, in Hebrew, is Satan. You know? So that's what he's saying. Does that change your mind? Did I, did I sway your opinion on it? No. <laughs> and if you give me one second, I'm going to tell you why. Um, I want to go to the book of Luke and Jesus what we got to understand is, is yes as Christians we're, we don't believe in Judaism necessarily but the Old Testament is a Jewish book mm -hmm. and the scriptures were made for the Jewish people the people of God the Israelites Jesus was Jewish Paul was Jewish. The writers of the Old Testament were Hebrew, also, what we would consider Jewish. The entire Bible, nobody who wrote in the Bible wasn't Jewish at some point in time. Right. So it's not Christians that believe this. It was the Jewish people of that day that believed this. So when people are making these commentaries, they're saying, well, it's Christians' fascination. Well, we only get this because the Jewish people of that day were saying these things about Christ. All right, and <clears throat> okay, so in the NASB version of Luke, um, chapter uh, four, one through thirteen, it recounts Jesus's temptation. It says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil, or the evil one, or mm -hmm. Satan, or whatever you want to call it. So we see this other person who is referred to as Satan or the devil tempting Jesus. So was God tempting Jesus? I don't think so. Right. Well, that's like you said, that's the reason it was a Jewish commentary. Yeah, because thing, that's New Testament. And the other thing is, is the devil talks to him and he says to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus said, I have driven. He let up, showed him all the kingdoms. Oh, here he goes. <clears throat> and he looked at Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, concerning you to guard you. 
and on their hands they will bear you up so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished temptation, he had left him until an opportune time. If the devil and God are able to be the same person, if you can mesh these, then there wouldn't be this, this, you know, if I tell you to do this, do it because God is going to save you. You know, it's they're talking as two different people. The devil's talking as God is another person, mm-hmm. another entity. So again, it just doesn't gel. That that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. So next, debunked. <laughs> Not buying it. Debunked. I don't like it. Myth busted. Yeah. Um. All right. I don't think we need to go in into too many other. I just want to get into what we were. The way I look at it, which is the right way. <laughs> okay, so now, and honestly, when I was running this past Justin, he was kind of like doing his like Donald Trump thing, like what? <laughs> what? Uh, but uh, so here's 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 what I've gotten out of reading and doing a lot of research on this, and just everyone's opinions. I'm trying to form my own here. I believe that, you know, just like everything else in the Bible, the Bible is, it's pretty much, you know, eyewitness accounts and stuff, and people have to write this stuff down, but it's seen through their perspective. You know, if you and I see the same crime or the same miracle, you know, let's just do this. If we saw a crime... And we had to go give our statements to the to the police. They're going to differ a bit. Yeah, because you'll probably run away, and I'll stand there and try. Because to I'll be like, "The guy's right here. Don't worry about it. I got him." No, but I mean that is natural. Yeah. Because you have a perspective, and I have a perspective. Yeah. And I'm not talking about where we're seeing it from. I'm just talking about our preconceived notions and what the way you would respond to something that you saw right like i just said and i was kidding but there's a lot of truth to that you know two people don't respond the same way to something they see right and i'm i'm i mean i'm literally saying like justin and i could be sitting right here on this couch and we could see something and we could both sit through the entire thing and if it was you know like a major event i guarantee you our stories are going to be different like the OS Ohio State game this week, he didn't make it. He made it, <laughs> so I got the angle though. That was I had a good perspective. Uh, <laughs> but no. I mean, that's a great example though. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So my point is, the author of Second Samuel, which, as I said, well, I didn't say this to you guys, but it's probably prophets of Nathan and Gad, mm-hmm. and then the author of. First Chronicles are both talking about the same thing, but it's different perspectives on it. Yeah, different accounts. And the way I see this is neither's wrong. They're both correct, but you've got to kind of dive into it and see before because I think like this is a this is a great example of a um, contradiction air quotes in the Bible yeah. that people who oppose Christianity would be like, look, you believe this book and it just, 
it literally just mixed up God and the devil. Because yeah. that is like, that would be huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, God told me to do this. Yeah. Satan told me to do this. Oh, the same thing. And then uh, another commentary I read, which is a good one. It wasn't really like, it was just a question. So God tells David to do this, right? As in Second Samuel, it says God moved David to do the census. Yeah. Well, he sinned. So God's telling you to sin? Yeah. And then you're going to get punished for that? And that's not what happened. Um, so like I said, they're both right. It's just from different lenses, and you and and honestly, it's good that they're both in there, because in Second Samuel, if you were just to read that, then like I said, you'd be like, so God tells David to do the census, but he he punishes him for it. But it's nice that we have First Chronicles because we we see that Satan provokes David to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is. Satan acts actively tempts, but God permits that temptation. Because like I said in the beginning, James, in the book of James, we see that God is not the author of sin and he tempts no man. So is it is it fair to think that, you know, like we say many times, we go through things in our life because it's going to bring us out to be stronger and ultimately we're going to be able to fulfill the will of God. Like you went through a lot of stuff before you got to this point. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to think that that was all part of God's plan? I think that, yeah. So, I mean, because there's a lot of ways to get to where you're at. Yeah. But I think that was your path. Yeah. And I think God knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, but God wasn't going to put you through all of that. I don't think God did that. No. I think God uses an adversary, i.e. Satan, mm-hmm. to tempt you. And it's your decision, right? Yeah. It's kind of like looking at it through this lens. If someone jumps off of the Empire State Building, you're going to die. Most likely. <laughs> I'm going to say it's safe to say you'll die, right? Then this would be like, well, so so God let that man die? God created gravity, which in turn killed this man because he fell. No, it's not what happened. He has the free will to choose. Yeah. And I think um, you have the free will to choose and make decisions and God will place you in certain instances where you have to make a decision but I think he allows Satan to tempt you and come into your life and maybe test your faith but also in the end he knows what's going to come of it you know what I'm saying like he wants to test you so I think uh, you know Satan suggested this census to incite sin to David. And he, just like he did, you know, he put it in the heart of Judas to betray Christ. And Satan's frequently described in Scripture as doing what God permits to be done. So so God permitted Satan to tempt David. And... Um, Satan, this would make him, like like I said, so Satan was actively tempting. He's the mover while God was permitting this. And 
Uh, let me see here. We see that you know God let this happen, but I think Satan Satan was doing this out of evil. Mm-hmm. He wants David to fail. He wants Israel to fail. And God was doing this to further his kingdom. Everything is to further his kingdom. What do you got? You got anything on all that? I have a lot. Well, I just want a little. Um, okay, so first thing is, is we're talking about this idea that Christ allows Satan to tempt us. And the first place I want to go... Permits. I like the word permits. Permits. permits is I want to go to 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 13. And in it, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he also provides a way out so that you can endure it. So basically what Paul's saying here is God will not let you be tempted beyond a certain point. Mm -hmm. But he will allow you to be tempted. Right. So, yeah. I mean, and I think this all goes back to what you talked about, the principle of free will. We have the right to choose. God doesn't want us want forced love. God wants us to love him because we choose to love him. Okay. Now, the downside of free will is we freely have the right to choose to love God. But we also have the right to not. Mm -hmm. And that's the downside of it. And what Satan does is he tempts us in order to keep us from loving God. And, you know, we all have our temptations. Like I said, I've been through mine. I still have mine. And mine are different than yours. Mm -hmm. But that's that's how this whole thing works. Is we have this thing called free will. God allows us to have free will, which comes with him having to allow Satan have a chance to tempt us but he will always provide a way out God has a way out for us if we so choose but it's up to us um, so that was the first place I, I really I thought of first you know because that's a Bible verse that I've kept close to my heart for the longest time and it's helped me a lot with the temptations that I feel like I have in my life um, is that there there is a way to overcome it through right. But that's very good. I never thought about that that verse from that perspective. That idea that God is letting us be tempted, just not beyond a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he's only going to put you through what you can handle anyway, but... He's going to put you through what he needs to to get you where he needs you to be. Right. And that's what we saw with David. He allowed David to be tempted to a certain point in order for him to get his purpose done. Right. Judas was allowed to be tempted to a certain point in order for him to get his, his what he needed done done. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh in Egypt, his heart was hardened over and over and over again to, again, get jo- get God's purposes done. Saul, chasing after David, was probably God allowing him to do that so he could get his purpose done. You know, you, know, you see all these things and all these people in the Bible that are just so evil. Nebuchadnezzar, who exiles, exiles the Israelites, he was allowed to do that because God needed his will done. Cyrus. Yeah, exactly. So you see all these bad guys in the Bible who are actually, in some way, fulfilling God's plan for this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
you know, the more I talk myself through this, the more on board I am getting with where we're going with this. Yeah, yeah, I actually read when I decided that this is what I liked. I looked into it more, and I all everything that you just said, I was reading about too. Um, those are all great, good examples, and and a lot of those are also testaments to where <clears throat> you see God. Like I said before, everything he does is to further his kingdom. And what Justin just read pretty much solidifies the point that we're making that God will permit Satan to tempt you. Yeah. Because like we said at the beginning of this, it's not God who's tempting you. So it's got to be Satan. Because it literally says God will not tempt a man and he's not the author of sin. So he's allowing temptation. So who's doing that, right? I think that's what we can see from that. And I think you see it over and over again. But then also the point that you're making right now with Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and Pharaoh and all this stuff is that sometimes God works through those who are not godly. And like I said, it's all to fulfill his kingdom. Um, but that's a little off topic. We could talk about that next week. Mm. I like that. I like where you're going for mm-hmm. But anyway... So getting back to this, it's so um, God was the righteous judge in this instance because he permitted it with uh, he permitted this temptation from Satan to David with a uh, design that from this sin David would take occasion to punish Israel for other sins that God would have justly been able to do anyway, and it should be noted that you know when God has a plan in mind. He sometimes allows Satan's and you know his minions to <laughs> do the things that they want that they want to do, like lie and cause disasters and deaths. And um, while you know God's allowing this and permitting this, they're actually working the will of God. Um, they just don't see that. You know, Satan's not going to see that God's actually winning. Because God's using that temptation. Like you said, he uses the temptation to the point to where he needs you to get pushed to. You know, everyone's got that point. And he's going to push you until you get there because it's going to make you stronger. And we just talked about that. Um, And, you know, Justin and I were trying to think of a couple examples. We talked about um, how God lets... Ahab buy into all the false prophets that tell him to go ahead and go to battle. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. And then either Elijah or I don't, I don't remember who it was, but um, you know somebody said, "Hey, if you if you if you go to battle, you're going your blood will be shed where you stand, or your guts will spill, or something like that." Mm-hmm. So he actually goes. I think he gets hit with an arrow, and then he gets taken back and when he comes back he kind of falls out of the cart and his blood spills where he was Mm -hmm. so he was right um so that's an instance where um god kind of uses temptation to to do that and um in job we see satan persecuting job and god kind of is like letting it happen to an extent Mm -hmm. um so anyway, go ahead. I know you've got you ready for something else. See so you looking over there on your on your Bible app. Uh, I want to come back to this last, but if you want, we can go into the Luke twenty two session about Peter and talk about him. Um, 
you're ready for that. Yeah, well, we can go into that. So, I'll kind of segue seg us in there. So, so Satan, uh, so God, like we said, is permitting Satan to do this. And all of a sudden, Satan has this plan. But it's Satan's plan, and God knows when to intervene. Kind of like we said, the idea of pushing us to a certain point. And the author of 1 Chronicles ascribes the census-taking plan to Satan, who wanted to oppose Israel and cause him as much harm as possible, and destroy David, um, the Lord's anointed one. And this would have terminated the earthy line through which Christ came. But God wanted to punish Israel for their sins, you know, and their rebellion. So he allowed Satan to tempt David so he could stamp out the traitors who despise the Lord and his anointed king. Um, you know, so this is where we get to the statements um, that we asked in the beginning. First Chronicles says that Satan moved David. Second Samuel says the Lord moved David. And here's where we're seeing all temptation is permitted by God, but it's not caused by God. So when the evil spirit tempt us, they do this with permission from God. And you can go on to Luke now. I guess we're ready for that. Yeah. So in Luke 22. Um, all right. So in Luke 22, we see. Um, 31. We see, what? I thought you were looking for the verse. I know the verse. No, no, no. no. Yeah, I got the verse. No, but what we see is is they're at the Passover meal, um, and they are they're talking and everything, and they're they're kind of bantering back and forth. And Jesus starts talking. He says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers." So basically what he's saying, we have a lot of things he's saying here, but number one, he's prayed for Simon that his faith may not fail him. But he says, and when you have turned back. So he's basically telling Peter, you're going to turn on me. And we'll go on and we'll see later that Peter does deny Christ three times, um, as Christ predicts. And he says, when you have turned back. So he says, you're going to turn back after you do this, and then you're going to strengthen your brothers. So... What we see is we see in John 18, Peter denies Christ three times. Aren't you one of this man's disciples? He replies, I am not. You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied saying, I am not. Then I see you with him in the garden. And again, Peter denied it at the moment the rooster began to crow. Christ said he would deny it three times the rooster crows. And... And then in John 21, this is where things start to get interesting. Um, John 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. and Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. 
Then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I wanted him to remain alive, talk to him with us to you. This is, the, this is the disciple who testifies to these things. You know, and basically, Jesus, and I think it's the Luke passage, goes on to say, this is the rock on which I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Talking about Peter and the church and how that is, you know, what we'll see in Revelations, the bride of Christ. And basically what what God does here is he takes the sin of Peter, who denies Christ three times, and he completely reverses it. So while he allowed Satan to turn Peter, it was ultimately to strengthen Peter in order to have him lead his church. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Three times, just as Peter denied him three times, he makes him admit that he loves him three times. And you'll see this. God, again, allowing Satan to sift his disciples like wheat, but then turning them back and using him for his glory and his purpose. It's an amazing thing, really, when you think about it. And I think it's so cool when John tells us a story about Jesus asking Peter these things. I, I don't know. I just It kind of makes me laugh. Because it's like God always gets the final say. Right. Satan was able to make Peter deny Christ three times, but in the end, God always prevails. Yeah, that's so. a good, that's a good point there. I like how you picked that up. Um, so you're on board with me now. You, you're I skeptical. Am. At I, first. Am. I, I am. I am. Well, I wasn't putting the pieces together, but like I said, the more we talk through this, the more I'm like, yeah, you know what? This, this, there's a lot of good biblical you know backing to that to that statement and the other thing I found and this was interesting this is going back to David and his so so we call it a sin that you know Satan tempted him into taking this census but like you said it, it was for God's purpose and I want to read this passage to you it's from first Kings chapter 15 verses 4 and 5 and it says nevertheless for David's sake the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by raising up a son to succeed him and by making Jerusalem strong. For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. So what, what the author of Kings is telling us here is David kept all the Lord's commands, everyone except for the sin of Bathsheba. Right. He doesn't recount this census as a sin or as going against the Lord's commands. Mm -hmm. so that to me shows me that God played a hand in allowing this to happen yeah. and it wasn't held against David for that mm -hmm. but it was in order to bring on his purpose so my question going forward is is the bad boys of the Bible the Judas, Judas the Pharaoh um, Saul all these guys that had that did bad things in order to further God's plan. What does eternity look like for them? That's my question. <laughs> that's a that's a good study. Because without there. these people, no, yeah, you're right. God works through people. You know, 
that's how God got his his job done. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, God is able to forgive and give grace to whoever he wants. That's, you know, not our place to judge or anything like that. But it's just an interesting concept to think about. Mm-hmm. God allowed these people to do these things in order to further his purpose. Right. Yeah, that's good. Better start working on it. It's interesting. Stay tuned for the next one. Yeah. Maybe we'll know. Yeah, maybe we'll get N.T. Wright on here to, to talk us through it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad Justin's on board now. I think what we've learned is that God is in control. You know, even... Because the cool thing is... When you're in those bad spots, let's like let's bring this back to our lives now. Let's get out of the Old Testament for a second here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when the when Satan is tempting us, isn't it cool to know that God is letting that happen? Kind of. I mean, in a sense, it's like really, but in another way, you're like that gives you the light at the end of the tunnel to say, well, whatever I'm going through right now, or whatever is hindering me right now. I've got to overcome it through God mm-hmm. because he's not giving me this because he thinks it's going to, you know, um, make me fail. It's going to make me stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, a, a nice thought to have. And any, if anybody's going through something or whenever you guys are having trouble with whatever you're having trouble with, whatever's tempting you, then that's, that's kind of a silver lining, I think. Yeah. And, you know, let's go back to James. And which is, you know, chapter 1, verses 2 uh, through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Right. You know, again, we James is kind of telling us you're going to get tested. Mm-hmm. And that testing isn't meant to break you. It's in, meant to build you. You know, a lot of the things that I've been through in my life, the tests and the trials that I've been through, they weren't meant to break me. Some of them did for a short period of time, but looking back at them now, they built me. They built me into this person. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely God's hands in that. Yeah, for sure. Satan's hands definitely in there too. Yeah. You know? You know, the prophets that wrote Second Samuel wanted to show that you know this account from the sense like God is is the master he's in control of all things while Ezra or whoever wrote First Chronicles was showing how God the same thing he showed the same thing but he was showing how God uses Satan as a tool mm-hmm. for his will mm-hmm. So you can't fault either one of them, and I'm glad. But I, I just think it's. And it makes you wonder if the author of the Chronicles verse wasn't showing that God has dominance right. over all yeah. things, even well. Satan, Satan who runs rampant in this world, is still a tool of God. He yeah. can still be used by God. God can still use him for his purposes because I think he, he is God. He is the Almighty. I don't you even know? think he can. I think he is. I think he is completely used by God. But there, going back to free will, there's still that point yeah. where you've got to make the call. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's up to you. Yeah. But 
I think it's for sure. God uses Satan to get you to that point. Yep. And then it's up to you. Mm-hmm. So, but like I said, the silver lining is that that you're going to be tested, but like James, like like the James passage there, you need to persevere through it, become stronger, all that good stuff. Mature, not lacking anything. So hey, I was you know let me let me come clean with you guys. I thought tonight was going to be a dud because Justin was like not enthusiastic, and I'm just like, dude, trust me. Let's see what happens. <laughs> No, it was definitely. I think it turned out really well, and I, and I think we, I think the the strong point about it is anytime you can get biblical references to back you up. You know whether you know. Some people might disagree with us on everything we said. That's fine, but at least what we did tonight is we used the Bible to, to. Like for you, you knew what you thought coming into it. I didn't know what I thought yet. Right. But as we talked and I well, read, yeah, I, I read, used the Bible. I'm glad you. Br- I wasn't going to talk about Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, yeah. and all that because I had already read yeah. into it, and I was just force feeding this down there. Yeah. But like you guys believe me, trust me, I've yeah. done it. But you, yeah. yeah, it was good that you brought that yeah. in. So the more I read, right, the more I was like, okay, I, I see this biblical principle in front of me over and over and over again. So I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we need to do more often with the Bible. Right. Is, you know, the Bible overlaps in several places. Like we were just talking about how the book of Chronicles and the book of 2 Samuel overlap. They had the same event twice. Think about the Gospels. All four of them have the same stories over and over again. Some are a little different than others in the way that they're told. It goes back to the point that we made earlier. Yeah. Every but, story is going to be a little different. But when you can use those overlapping stories to reaffirm mm-hmm. those things that you see, that to me is like okay. That we we'll keep that idea. Right. I like that, and I think that's what I mean. I would encourage everybody to do when you're thinking about something from a biblical standpoint, and you want to know does it make sense? Is it right? Is it true? That's what you need to know. Is it in the Bible? If it's in the Bible, can you reaffirm it in a different passage of the Bible? You know, and when you can start doing that, that's a good way to make sure you're not misusing Scripture. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think that was an excellent podcast. I, I really like the way that you brought it up and the way we were able to work through it. And I think it was kind of good that I was in the dark on this one. And I think we found a couple topics yeah. in this podcast. Yeah. yeah, I like the one. That one's actually intriguing me already. I'm yeah. ready to like look into it after yeah. this. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll do that. And uh, All right, guys, have a good one. And we will dig up the, the Lost Podcast someday. Like Tanner would dig up some Tesla right now. That's right. That's right. Well, we're listening to it all day at work tomorrow. Anyway, we go. Dude, I'm doing it today. Doing pretty good. Uh huh. This is a great right? This is a catchy tune. Shout out to Jenny. If you're listening still, Jenny. Text her.
How long should I just play this out? Let's keep it in.